Welcome back to episode 11 of Own Goal Podcast. Today is August 16th, 2018. Soccer is back with the Premier League having kicked off last weekend, and La Liga and most of Serie A are following suit this weekend. Eventually, the Germans will catch up when they're thinking about how to take over the world. Which, knowing the Germans, could be a while. Uh, We will get into some transfer news, recap some of the Premier League, uh, some of the, the, the Super Cups that happen, like the German Super Cup, the UEFA Super Cup. We'll also take a, a sneak peek at Serie A and La Liga. But first... To the byline. It's in! It's an odd goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Before we jump into the uh, the aforementioned recap and sneak preview of, of the various leagues, there is a vital news update we have to provide you. League One team, and I mean League One in England, not League uh of France, Bristol Rovers accidentally somehow at halftime showed a couple minutes worth of porn at their home game over the weekend. Yeah, so Bristol Rovers were playing Crawley Town in the League Cup. I'm sure it has some aforementioned sponsor name at this point, like the Kapapupu Cup. The, Caraba- <laughs> the Carabao Cup, if, if they managed to, to represent yeah. it two years in a row. I always just call it the League Cup. So they... Uh, at halftime on their screens, you know, like in the tunnel, in the bathrooms, you know, everywhere there's screens, they uh, went to this channel called Babe Station for a few minutes, and Babe Station is a porn channel in the UK, and they had it on there for a good five minutes. Eventually, the club got it down, and when they were asked about it, Bristol Rovers' official statement was that it was some sort of prankster who used a universal remote-type device to hack into the screens. And if it's really that easy to use a re- universal remote to mess with things, imagine going into Jerry World, <laughs> you know, putting in a universal remote and just flashing browsers all over the place. My, my, my theory is the uh, the stadium setup in, in League One, probably not as robust and, and secure as, you know, some the championship, Premier League, or NFL. That being said, I can't wait to see like next this because coming weekend if there are more instances, some copycats, and there's just porn playing all over England's soccer stadiums. Well, interestingly enough, I'm actually going to Jerry World on Saturday to go see a preseason game, and I wonder if I bring a universal remote <laughs> and just start fucking with it. What kind of damage can I do? Please uh, report back on this with your uh, with, with what you find out. Yeah, but uh. Switching gears to something else. Everyone in international soccer is retiring. Yeah, um, we've got in Croatia your your favorite player, Mario Mandzukic. What a fuck! Then you actually have two players that I do really like: uh, the goalie Subasic, and then Choruka, who wasn't a starter this this round because he's pretty old, but he had over a hundred caps for for his nation. And then I know Spain had a few few marquee retirements as well. Yeah, Gerard Kike with a Euro and a World Cup to his name called it quits. He's too busy, balls deep in Shakira probably to play international soccer. And then on the other end, David Silva, who plays for Man City, he retired with two Euros and a World Cup to his 
Yeah, and that the David Silva one kind of caught me because I definitely thought he had a little more. You know, I thought he might have at least one more euro in him. I, I was I was I was a little surprised. Then again, maybe maybe I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like once you win both major international trophies for your country, what what motivates you after that? See, I I understand that theory when like you've won everything in, in a certain league or or or, some, or with a certain team. But when it comes to the pride and the honor of playing for your nation, which you know this is what those guys dream about when they were kids, I just have a hard time seeing somebody step away before they're being pushed out. It's probably good for Spain and for Croatia that these guys are are stepping away to open up spots at a a good time to to try out younger, newer players. I'm always surprised when I see it. Something that's not much of a surprise is uh, we've identified – who international this generation's Brett Favre of the will he stay retired won't he stay retired Messi has announced that he's uh stepping down from Argentina retiring for the time being isn't this like the 10th time this has happened it's at least it's confirmed the second time I think it's at least the third time no Uh, it's I think it's at least the third time yeah so I'm wondering, right, is this is this another, like, it kind of turned out last time it was, I guess, a power play for him to be able to get a little more control and, and influence into the selections of the, the, the manager and stuff, and then that really didn't turn out well when they ended up with Sampaioli. So I'm wondering if this is another one of those, you know, games he's trying to play to get something his way, or if he's actually just sick and tired of the uh, Argentinian fans referring to him as, like, the Spaniard or the, the Catalonian and he's just like, you know what? I'm done. It's interesting. Yeah, I just know that no matter who the next Argentinian coach is, he can't wear a fucking V-neck at the World Cup. I mean, you, you say he can't. He definitely can. Uh, whoever he is, he very well might. I, I can't wait for I can't wait for like the next World Cup to be won by a manager wearing just like a, a fucking ripped jeans and a V-neck tee. No sleeves. It'll never happen. Uh, Victor Moses of Nigeria retired at a tender age of 27, which kind of caught me off guard. Yeah, yeah. Talking about tender age of 27, Lukaku talking about retiring after the next Euro in 2020, and he, he will be 27 at that, that point in time. And we're talking about international retirements, not retiring from the game of soccer. Yeah, and I feel, and I think you agree, like, if I was a pro soccer player, I would never retire internationally. You could always call me up if you needed me. Even when I retired from my club, you yeah. could still call me up. Even if you have no in- in- intentions of putting me on that pitch, you want me for, for my great locker room presence, I'm there. You want me to, like, shine somebody else's shoes, I will do it unless that person is, like, Kyle Beckerman or, or somebody like that. I, I-, I have my limits. Speaking of shiny shoes, though, Manzucic is probably retiring for all the time he's going to spend shiny Ronaldo shoes at Juventus. Yeah, that'll be more on that in a bit. Uh, and then another news is Chelsea are giving Maurizio Sarri a smoking area at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, apparently <laughs> Sarri smokes 80 cigarettes a day, which I didn't think was humanly possible. So you know how, like, a stereo- stereotype is an exaggeration and, a gen- and generalizations of people? Yeah. Yes. I'm glad, glad, glad we know that. Uh, Maurizio Sarri is your stereotypical Italian, just like old Italian man. He just, he smokes a 
fuck ton of cigarettes. And yeah, he's smoking like three and a half cigarettes an hour. Yeah, it's the that, including hours that he would be presumably he's asleep. Sleeping. I'm assuming he's able to smoke every twenty. So if you really narrow it down to sixteen, he's really smoking like six cigarettes an hour. He's smoking a cigarette every ten minutes. I don't know how long it takes to smoke a cigarette, but I feel like he, he's not getting a lot of efficiency out of a single cigarette. Like he needs to maybe extend that that drag life. I don't know if that's how cigarettes work, but I'm also not cool enough to know how cigarettes work, <laughs> just like you just admitted you are. All right, and now we actually have some, some important news, like some serious news. Uh, after the very end of Tottenham-Newcastle's 6.30 Central Time game, which was very early last week, Yedlin, Yedlin uh, sustained a knee injury. They showed uh, an image of him walking out of the tunnel, and it looked absolutely horrible. Really happy to note that Newcastle, as well as Yedlin, have reached out on social media confirming that the injury is not serious at all, and he is actually back at training later this week. So really excited to see that our future captain, DeAndre Yedlin, really survived a scary knee injury there. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, when, when we were watching it together, actually, yeah. we had a nice little own goal podcast, Austin Retreat, but... When I saw it, I really thought an ACL was gone. Like, vanished. Not torn, but actually just vanished out of his body. When I first saw it, I was like, maybe it's a hyper hyperextension. But then when they cut to him hobbling off through the tunnel, I thought, oh, fuck. He's he, he's out for next year. Might Maybe he'll be back to his old self in three years if he's lucky. So we got yeah. we got, we got really lucky there. Another, another knee-related topic for the Premier League is uh, Kevin De Bruyne sustained a knee injury just yesterday in training or I guess for you guys it'll be two days ago when you listen to this in training and he potentially is out for uh, two months yeah we have nothing confirmed yet but it looks like it's on the plus side of two months more like 10 weeks is what my sources are telling me but switching gears a little bit to a little MLS update two big things sticking on the American trend we started with Yedlin Josie Altador, uh, U.S. national and forward with Toronto FC, is being linked to Serie A and to League One. And I know the Serie A transfer window closes in like 24 hours from when we're taping this. So uh, hopefully, I would love for Josie to get a move abroad, kind of as he's, you know, he's 28 years old. He's got probably three top years left in him. And I'd love to see him have a successful stint in Europe like he did with Ozed before kind of a disaster in the Premier League at Sunderland, which yeah, is, to be fair to him, it's fucking Sunderland. We're not, I'm, yeah, I'm not putting any of the blame on, on Josie, although a lot of Sunderland fans did, but I think that's also because a lot of Sunderland fans, at least at the time, were rather racist and, and just, like, actually were, were yelling racial comments at Josie before, during, and after the games, which is such a ridiculous way to treat a, a player of your own team, but really hoping that he can, he can make that move. Uh, I would love for him to go to Serie A, because I don't want to have to track another team in League Uh, but if he did as your faithful League Uh correspondent, I, I would keep track of him as well. And then lastly, um, as you guys may know, Wayne Rooney moved to DC United about a month and a half ago, and uh, he's had a flying start to his MLS career. Seven games in, three goals, including a saucy free kick he hit last night, two nights ago. If you're listening to this, three assists, including a game-winning assist and a game-saving tackle. There's a really cool YouTube video, look it up, where it's 2-2 against Orlando. Rooney, there's an open goal. Rooney 
Slide tackles, wins the ball, switches the ball about 45 yards into the box for a game-winning assist. Pretty cool shit. So, yeah, can I just say that while everybody would agree that it was a ridiculous decision, I love the fact that with a set piece at the very end of the game, DC United pulled their keeper to get an extra body in the box, and then the only thing you can't have happen happened, and the ball got cleared out, picked up by one of the forward players of uh, Orlando, and the guy was setting up for an automatic goal when out of nowhere comes Wayne Rooney, takes the guy to the fucking dirt, picks picks the ball up, picks his head up, and puts a pinpoint cross to the smallest guy on the field for the game-winning goal. If you haven't seen this clip, you really need to check it out. It is, it's amazing. Just like Google Wayne Rooney, are you kidding me? And it'll, it'll be one of the most recent things to pop up. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I retweeted it. So you can check my, uh, the, the, the uh, minis of my, yeah. the sub minis of my Twitter. Feed. But I know that we don't have the, the big, the biggest, uh, social media following. So it might be easier for people to, to go about in the old Google fashion. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the, uh, wrap up, uh, do you know, talk about the action this weekend in our jibber jabber section, Sergio Ramos is taking shots at everybody. Absolute savage here at a Jurgen Klopp. I guess referring to Jurgen Klopp, he says, it's not the first final he has lost. He should stick to his own business. Some of us, I guess Ramos is probably talking about himself, have been operating at a very high, at a very high level for many years. I'm not sure you can say the same thing, which is just brutal. My question is, why is Ramos taking shots at Klopp about this now? Like the final was months ago. Because Klopp won't shut up about it. Okay, okay. So so Klopp, Klopp was instigating this? Oh, yeah. Klopp has... Every press conference Klopp has had since the final, he has decided to mention the challenge, refer to the challenge. Yeah, I think Sergio Ramos is just sticking up for himself. Yeah, and then he took a shot at CR7, um, saying that no one is above Real Madrid. But I, after that fortune shellacking... I have a feeling we're going to see contrasting evidence this season. Yeah, but speaking of the season, let's get back to the Premier League. Uh, kicked us off, first game of the season, Manchester United versus Leicester City. A lot was made about the rift between Pogba and Mourinho, so in the most Mourinho fashion possible, who is the captain for the first game of the season? Paul Pogba. I think it's important to note that I think I believe Valencia is supposed to be the the, the captain of the season. Is that Has it not been reported? Yeah, Mourinho said probably Valencia, but he definitely left room for ambiguity. And I wouldn't be surprised if Paul Pogba was the permanent captain going forward. So, uh, yeah, 2-1 two, victory. We got, like, in the first, I don't know, what, five minutes of the game, uh, there was a, a a penalty called, you know, in favor of United. Rightfully so. And the funniest, the funniest image I have from the entire first week in the Premier League is Alexis Sanchez, who's half Paul Pogba's height, going up to Pogba, who has the ball, trying to tell him that Alexis Sanchez needs to be taking this this uh, this PK. And yes, I believe Alexis talks about himself in the third person. Yeah, and Paul Pogba was having none of it, told that midget to fuck off, uh, put the ball on the spot, and absolutely... I mean, you talk about keepers playing mind games with... Players, Paul Pogba was playing mind games with Casper Schmeichel and then just dispatches a perfect penalty into the top right corner. Yeah, that was, a, I mean, really a perfect start for United. But the only thing that could have been more perfect would have been if somebody like Luke fucking Shaw scored his first career, you know, Man United goal in the Premier first League. First career senior goal altogether. And yeah, 
Fat Shaw got in there, accidentally dummied his defender, like put the ball over his head completely accidentally on Luke Shaw's part. And then just great finish. So I know that that we we teased the the Maz v Mourinho uh, duel that was coming up, and I think you're going to touch on that in a minute. But I want to point out that really two of the people that two of the players that Mourinho is really most critical about this this off season or off seasons and seasons in general, I, I would argue would have been Luke Shaw and Paul Pogba, and those are are Man United's fucking goal scorers for the first game. Yeah, that's completely accurate. We're just, we, what's most upsetting about that is that <laughs> that puts, that opens the door for the argument that is there a method to Mourinho's madness? And because, ha- like you said, he's those are the two most criticized players. But besides, even if you take away their goals, they both performed really, really well yeah. outside of their goals. Yeah, de- definitely. And, and like, I mean, I give Pogba credit for for kicking a good a good PK, but his play in the game was, you know. You can still make a make one PK and have a shitty game. He had yeah. a good game, irrespective of that spot kick. Uh, what I want to know is what what's the update on Maz v Mourinho, who's winning right uh, now? Mourinho is currently in the lead because we won, which a game which I predict us to tie two two. Which like if there was another five minutes left in that game, when if Vardy, Vardy com- if Vardy comes on ten minutes earlier, I think you guys maybe you still you you probably still win. But there's a couple closer calls that that could have tipped it in the other the other way. No, we definitely tied two two if Vardy comes on ten minutes earlier. Hey, no Vardy, no party. Uh, so currently Mourinho is winning, but like that was just Leicester. So we'll see. I still think, especially with news that Zidane is eyeballing Manu, I still think Mourinho sacked by December. I'm still sticking with that take. I'm not letting one game der- derive me from that. Uh, that yeah. Uh, now n- another game, and I thought it was really interesting was none of the the real contenders this season played each other in the opening week. Probably good. You, you don't want to come right out the gates with like a Man U Chelsea matchup week one. Uh, speaking of Chelsea, they they had their their first game against I believe was it a uh, Huddersfield Town, who are the you know I'm I'm a big big uh, Huddersfield fan this la- last season and this season. Not great to have your opening week game of the campaign against a team as talented as Chelsea, even though they did lose, you know, their their manager brought in a complete different style. They still have a shitload of talent. And I thought Jorginho looked pretty well. He did open up his account from the spot. Yeah, and uh, I think another kind of positive I would take by a Chelsea fan is that Hazard came off the bench and got some minutes. So, as of right now, it's Thursday at 9.04 p.m., I think. Uh, as of right now, there's nothing about Hazard leaving. Yeah, I, I which think... Is good I think, for Chelsea. I think Hazard was only and is only uh, a threat to leave Chelsea when Chelsea also have the ability to sign a player that window, right? So, once, yeah. once the Premier League window shut down... I felt pretty confident that they were going to hold on to Hazard at least until uh, the winter transfer period, but I- I'd see him staying for the season. Yeah, I. That being said, I don't, especially after the shit show that was the UEFA Super Cup, I wouldn't out- rule out some outlandish Real Madrid bids either. Yeah. Oh, oh, I mean, I'm not saying the bids won't be coming. I just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just want to see a little a bid for Mbappe, please. Get him out of league, uh, so he can actually play in the real league. Uh, 
but yeah, Chelsea really, really, <laughs> really strong start. Not as strong as the kind of the I don't know people's favorite choice for who could unseat Man City, and that is uh, Liverpool with a four nothing shellacking of West Ham. Yeah, a real shit pump. I mean, that was that was a shit pump plus one. Uh, Salah, you know, got got a goal. Sadio Mane got two. Team just looked they looked they looked good. Also, if we were, if we recall West Ham, they did not look good last season. And it seems like they're off to kind of the same start there. Yeah, I mean, no doubt with the signing of Fabinho and Keita, Liverpool's midfield's gotten better. But, you know, this is just well, West Ham United that was basically a poverty team last season. And so I'm not ready to go all in about on the Liverpool train yet. I'm still not convinced about them defensively. And I know they did bring in Allison, but you have to also remember a lot of goalies struggle coming in that first year into the Premier League, including David De Gea. Um, so just, so I'm not convinced on their defense just yet, but it was, it was a good win for them. They looked really, really solid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not here saying that from anything we've seen in the first, I think in the first couple of weeks, we're not going to have any idea of, of, you know, who can compete, who can't compete. I was just mentioning that, that people seem to be big on Liverpool, especially Liverpool fans who, who, who think, I think they're saying this year they need, they need some sort of trophy. And I don't know where they're going to get that from. Um, yeah, may- a fun fact. Antoine Griezmann this summer has won more trophies than Liverpool has in the last 11 years. Just a, That's just a fact. Just facts only. Uh, then we go to the next game. This one was probably the, the highest highly, highest touted uh, game of the opening slate. And it was you know, the- it was the highest touted game. And I was really looking forward to it, to watching it with my buddy Sunday morning until I got kicked out of his apartment at 9 a.m. like a fucking beggar. To be fair, I don't think I kicked you out until 9.30. So... There was a thirty-minute grace period. <laughs> that being said, the game really did. We didn't. You didn't really miss much. Uh, two, two, nothing. Man, shitty over Arsenal. Arsenal, it, Arsenal, Arsenal. I think are putting pieces together for maybe maybe next year. I, nah, but they're they have to they have to build something up. I mean, when 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 Arsene Wenger left. You know that what he had built had kind of crumbled and, and decayed, and now you just have to remove a lot of a lot of that dead, dead tissue before you can build up new stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really big on Emery as a manager, but trying to you know view him objectively and be fair to him, like he's been with his team for six weeks and he lost two zero to the best team in the league. Like, yeah, it. You know what I mean? I th- I think that they're definitely going to trend upward a little bit this season and maybe see an uptake, but it's going to take some time. That being said, Man City has an absolute bullshit fixture list. Their next six games are all against teams that have been promoted in the last two years, yeah. which is absolute horseshit, by the way. So the FA of England can suck my dick after years and years of Man U getting the shittiest fixture list, including having to play an early, the early game. So fuck you, FA, and fuck you, Man City. Yeah. And fuck you, Pep. Man, man, man shitty really, really going to, I think, catch as big of a break as they can regarding the uh, De Bruyne injury, seen as, I mean, it's never, never, never a break to have a player injured, but the six of the potential, if if he's out 10 weeks, six of the 10 games he's going to miss are against, you know, teams that they don't need him for. And I think in that break, there's also going to be an international break as well. So, so that's seven of the 10 that he would be out, which, which is good for, for man, man, shitty. Uh, obviously injuries suck regardless of who they happen to, but they do get a, a break from their, their scheduling also helps them let, let their, their world cup players rest a little bit longer, 
you know, some of their, their stars didn't start this game because they just, you know, De Bruyne came on, second half, things like that. Uh, just lets them kind of ease them in. Yeah. Uh, we, we touched up uh, the Tottenham and Newcastle. Tottenham ended up winning 2-1, and Yedlin is okay, and that's kind of all that matters there. Yeah, I mean, Tottenham, I think a lot of, a lot of his ma- has been made about Tottenham not having signed a single player this last season. I think we'll touch on this in a mailbag segment later on. Uh, but, you know, they also f- succeeded in, in holding on to their players. They they play with a system, with a unit, with chemistry. I'll, I'm very curious to see where, where Tottenham ends up, you know, even just a month into the season. Yeah. Also, Harry Kane has still not scored a goal in August in the Premier League, which blows my mind considering he's, you know, nobody in the last three years combined has scored more Premier League goals than Harry Kane. That is a mind-blowing statistic, but... I think it's now time to switch gears for your Eric. Give us your League Ah uh, report, please. All right. From week one in League uh, uh, for Nantes, Matt Miazga did not play. For Wait, did he make the 18 at least? He did make the squad day. Okay. Uh, also, I, I yeah, he, he didn't he didn't play, so that's really all I care about. He did just join the team on loan. Like less than two weeks ago, so I think it's not a necessary reflection of, of how he's doing skill wise. He just you need to build chemistry with your defensive partners. Um, now, now on to the the second important team in league. Uh, Tim Weah's PSG won their their league debut. There was a shit pumping there. Uh, you had you had goals by a couple players, but most importantly, our youth, our U.S. youth international, and he's now been kept at the senior level as well. Scored his first ever league uh, goal. Um, I'm really excited for what we're, what we're seeing from from Tim Weah in his preseason, also in the games he played with the U.S. national team. So yeah, uh, PSG won. They're going to win the league, uh, and Miyazaki didn't play. There's your league uh, recap. Uh, something I'd add, kind of a cool thing. Jo- uh, Tim Weah scored his first league uh, goal. Against the same team, his dad, George Way, scored his first league uh, goal. That's really cool. Donnie, that's a really cool fact. You should think about being the primary correspondent for league uh, news. No, no, you, you do such a great job, man. I wouldn't want to take that from you. Uh, switching gears now to the German Super Cup, which would just be the, the German shit pump, is what it was. Uh, Bayern Munich hammered Frankfurt 5-0. Lewandowski, who... I feel like the biggest forgotten story that nobody's talking about is that in May, Lewandowski put in a transfer request. And, and Bi- it's still there. And Byron straight up said no. <laughs> uh, he scored a hat trick because he's not playing for Poland, so he found his talent, I guess. It's also also to note that it's almost like the new Bayern manager knew. Holy fuck. This is a rumor, but it's cl- it's getting wait, close. Wait, wait, Donnie, is that, wait, wait, is that just a rumor? It. It's rooted. It was reported by venerable Italian financial newspaper Il Sole Twenty Four Ore. All right, we're gonna we're gonna touch on something in a few minutes. Donnie just dropped a fucking bombshell, but we'll get back to um, what I was saying. It's almost like Bayern's coach had really good insight knowledge on Frankfurt and, and the, their weaknesses. Almost like he coached them last season or something. Almost like he coached them in the German Cup final last season and beat Bayern in said final. Like three months ago. Yeah, but there, there's, there's the, uh, the, the, the shit pumping Super Cup, and now Donnie, what were your reactions or takeaways from the UEFA Super Cup? Uh, 
Uh, first of all, it was a great game, including a goal in the first 45 seconds by Atletico Madrid. Fastest, fastest goal ever scored in a in a super in the uh, like UEFA you know Super Cup competition, and that was a goal oh. by uh, Diego Costa. So Diego Costa grabs a brace in regular time. Um, Bale puts in a beauty of a cross to Kareem Benzema, who just puts it. He just slaps it off his bald head into the goal. One one. Then Real Madrid get a pretty soft penalty, but a penalty at the end of the day. Uh, Sergio Ramos takes it, surprisingly, kind of, and he makes it 2-1. Diego Costa equalizes 2-2. 93rd minute, Marcelo has like a semi-bicycle kick to win it, and it just doesn't go right. So we go into extra time, where fucking Atletico Madrid turns it on. Saul hits a volley 17 yards out, first-time volley, Top cheddar, top corner, 3-2 Atletico, and then they just seal the deal with another goal, Koke, to make it 4-2. Really, really exciting game. Fun. It was probably one of the better Super Cup games I've watched in a while that I was like actually really pumped for and just excited to watch. And, oh, my God, how fucked is Real Madrid? Yeah, I think we should just lump and you know, roll this right into our, our La Liga preview, honestly. Yeah. Uh, we, we had originally... I think scheduled to talk about Syria first, but this makes more sense. I, I I've been saying for a while how excited I am that Diego Costa is is at Atletico because I didn't like watching him at Chelsea because oftentimes I was pulling for other teams that, that would play against Chelsea. You know, a lot, a lot of the, the the smaller teams and Diego Costa would just bully them and score against them and, and break their dreams. Costa at Atletico Madrid is perfect because I would much rather Atletico do well over Barcelona or Real Madrid. So I am so happy he's there. I'm really happy that he started off competitive play as quick as he could with with a goal. And I think Real Madrid needs to be really, really worried considering, you know, Atletico Madrid is definitely one of their biggest competition, but Barcelona is a, a step above them as well. And third place in La Liga is not going to cut it for Florentino Perez. Yeah, I mean, you know, on the one hand, they hired Zinedine Zidane, who had, like, no coaching resume whatsoever besides, like, the Real B team. But he's also, like, one of the greatest player midfield players of all time, a World Cup champion, a European champion, a Champions League uh, winner, you know, a Real club legend. And so... I get kind of making an exception for them. He's been with the club. And then, you know, the gamble pays off. They get three consecutive Champions League. Unprecedented. Unfucking precedented. But just looking at their new coach, uh, Lafitegui, his resume is not that impressive for a Real coach. I mean, he was, he coached Spain under 19, under 20, under 21. He won a European championship with the under 19s and a European championship with the under 21s. Uh, he was at Porto for a season and a half, but didn't win a single trophy, despite having their club's biggest ever budget. And yeah, he coached the Spain senior squad between international tournaments and qualified for a World Cup, but he never played in an international tournament. So I'm just yeah. Also, as, 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 as Iceland could show you, you know, they won their World Cup qualifying group, and they they didn't have that great of a World Cup. So playing coaching well in World Cup qualifying does not necessarily mean that. He would have coached them well in the World Cup, which is, I think, what the assumption was. That's why he was hired. Um, it, it's it's fascinating. How how do you lose one of the two best players this generation's seen 
and not replace not replace those that goal a game. Yeah, like I'm glad that you have two goalies who can fight over each other for the starting spot, but you don't I mean, do you really think Gareth Bale and Kareem Benzema and Marco Asensio can put that kind of output? Gareth Bale's gonna get injured in the next two months. That's already happened. They're all really talented players that you name, but none of them none of them alone equals the the talent of Ronaldo and the the additional time they're going to be getting or, or, or you know touches they're going to get because Ronaldo's gone is not going to add up to the production you're losing with Ronaldo gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm just surprising. I would have, if I, if I were in charge of Real, you know, with their transfer budget, I would have signed Eden Hazard and I would have either tried to sign Sergio Aguero or Lewandowski, someone who can put in goals at a better rate. I'm just, I mean, they haven't done anything offensively. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. The one thing they did was bring in a goalie when the goalie they had helped them win three straight Champions Leagues. Who, oh, quote from him about, is he going to leave? They asked Taylor Navas, are you going to leave Real Madrid? Because, you know, they just bought him this goalie. And he said, I want to leave Real Madrid as much as I want to die. Which makes me either think that, like, he really doesn't want to leave Madrid or he's clinically depressed and we should reach out and help Taylor Navas. Yeah, so that, 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 I mean, interesting stuff with Real Madrid and a very, very poor showing to start, you know, to pre- preempt the season. Uh, some overarching La Liga news. They have reached a, they just announced today or, or, to, or yesterday, if you're listening to this tomorrow, uh, they've recently re- reached a deal with uh, Relevant, which is a, a U.S. based media company. It's a 15 year agreement for at least one La Liga match to take regular season to be take place in the United States every year. Very similar to NFL does, you know, London and now I think Mexico games as well. And they're really ambiguous about, it's possible that the first year might be this season. They said it could be this season, but that's not necessarily decided yet. Yeah, I'm saying it's ambiguous. But wherever the first game, whenever the first game is, I'm calling that it's going to be in Miami just because the the chairman of Relevant is the owner of the Miami Dolphins. So I have a feeling that the first game will be in Miami, which I actually think would be a good crowd. I, I, I completely agree. Now, I don't know what, how much of a turnout we're going to get for a, a competition. I'm assuming it's going to be like the NFL in London games where they send the four-win Dolphins to play the two-win Browns or something like that. So I'm really pumped to see the, the crowd turnout for like a, a Getafe versus Real Betis or, or something of that nature because that's going to be fun. Maybe we can get some you – know, maybe, maybe we'll be a successful enough podcast at the time where we can get some you know, reporters on the ground. That's not, that's not we're, we should go either way. You and I should just go. Yeah, we can we can hit up my brother in uh, in Miami. Hey, Kevin! Shout out to Kevin. Uh, Barcelona, they 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 start off league play with Alaves on Saturday. They've already beaten out. Breaking news: Barcelona have already beaten Alaves on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid play Getafe, and normally I'd say it's a guaranteed win, but without Ronaldo, I, I don't know. They're not okay. They have they have the best midfield in the game still with uh, Casemiro, Modric, and Cruz. They still have the best midfield in the game, and they have a good, they have a solid defense. But their firepower doesn't. It's not scary like it with Ronaldo. It's scary. Yeah, it's not scary. I'm I'm sure they're gonna win that game. You know, I just I, I, I I'm not. I'm actually. I would I would like to take you on a uh, on a uh, Getafe top higher win. Okay, if if um, Real Madrid win this game. Next episode, you have to be the league correspondent. Fine, but if uh, Getafe win the game, you have to actually watch oh, the PSG game for next episode. Fuck, okay, deal. If Getafe win or tie. Deal.
God, I hate that guy. I hate that so much. Uh, um, yeah, that, that's everything. I, is there anything else in La Liga that you wanted to cover? Yes. Usually La Liga is an absolute snooze fest of a league and just kind of overall a joke. But Monday, this coming Monday, Atletico Madrid play Valencia, the number two team versus the number four team last year, and that's a game I would watch. That sounds like a good game. Actually, that might be a game I do watch. That, that sounds pretty solid. Yeah, just so Eric's employers know that he can watch the soccer games during work. Well, I'll, I'll watch the second half during lunch or something. <laughs> good say. Um, yeah, so now we got Serie A, which is mostly kicking off play this weekend. Um, there are two games that are being postponed to an undecided date in the future. That in one of those two games is the the Milan Genoa game. The reasoning behind this, I have I have no problems with. There uh, last week was a bri- a bridge that collapsed in the uh, the town or city where Genoa and Sampdoria play, and they had uh, reached out to the league requesting a a postponement. And the the league you know said yeah you got your your two games will be postponed. So I, I definitely have no qualms with with that. I think there's like a, a you know a big kind of funeral and, and service on Saturday, so the day before the game. Definitely makes sense. It is There is some sort of cosmic irony at play. It makes me think the curse is still alive, seeing as the one thing I've been looking forward to this week was the Milan start of the season, and now that is uh, that is <laughs> that is going to be one week away. So I can't wait to play Napoli next week for our first game of the season after Napoli get get a, uh, get to play you know their, their first game this week. So that'll be fun. But speaking of Milan, a few minutes ago we had some breaking news. There are early still not confirmed. Still not confirmed. Still not confirmed. That uh, still not confirmed that uh, Eric's longtime lover, Sergey Milinkovic Savic, might be heading to AC Milan on an initial season-long loan with an option to buy. First reported by Italian financial newspaper. Italian. <laughs> Il Sole 24 Ore. So uh, it would, looks like it's going to be a season-long with season-long loan option to buy for a forty so, a forty million euro deal. So in in Italy, um, what most of the clubs do to kind of skirt some financial fair play stuff uh, is they agree to a season-long loan with an option to buy, but there's a gentleman's agreement that that option is actually an obligation and they must purchase the player next season. I- I would be very wary entering into a gentleman's agreement with an Italian. <laughs> um, that that's fair. Uh, we'll put that that just blatant racism aside, <laughs> and talk about. I was so so the way financial fair play works. If well, one of the ways it works, it's still really confusing. Um, a, a straight up purchase, but also a loan with an obligation to buy. That counts the same as a straight-up purchase, but when you do a loan with an option, you can default the majority of that payment until next season's books. So that's that's what this, if it came true, would be. A really interesting uh, kind of comment right now is a lot of the financial journalists are reporting this this potential uh, deal. None of the, the reliable soccer journalists are, are saying that there is anything done right now they're also mentioning that it's it's the higher ups in elliott management that are in these conversations and not the sporting director level in milan so that that could be a reason why the the elliott management fund is talking to the reporters they know which would be financial reporters i i'm not i'm not letting myself believe that we have him 
because I have a feeling that it's just going to fall through tomorrow. That being said, I will I will be up for the next like six hours constantly refreshing. Uh, this would be a, a really big get. He's one of the hottest, and I'm talking about his talent wise and, and, and the demand for his skills. Uh, young midfielders in the game right now. Yeah, Eric. I haven't seen Eric this excited about a 23 year old in a long time. That's fair. Hey, if they sign him, are you going to buy a jersey? Uh, I already, I already bought. I bought a jersey last season of my boy Ro Magnoli. I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm not going to purchase a, a new transfer jersey. Uh, Ro Magnoli is our captain. He's, he's the future of the club. I'll be really, really excited for Milinkovic Savic if we were to get him. Big, big if. But I'm not. I'm not. You know. Off of Milan, who's not playing this this week because that's just how it happens. Uh, we do have a, an interesting slate of games. The you know the first one that I'm sure is going to be the most watched of of all the the Serie A games is Juve versus Chievo, or Chievo Chievo Verona, uh, eleven o'clock Saturday, and this should be the the Cristiano Ronaldo debut. Yeah, it's going to be on ESPN Plus. Uh... I have nothing better to do Saturday at 11, so I'm probably going to watch it. Yeah, I'll be watching it too. And after that, I get to watch Napoli and Lazio this is that, this at is, this, is, this is the game I'm most interested in this week now that Milan's not playing. Napoli-Lazio. Lazio finished uh, tied with Inter for, for – they tied on points, finished just behind them uh, for top four finish last season. If, if they lose Malinkovic Savic, they would have lost a really big piece. If they, they hold on to him, they will have not really gotten any worse than last season. Uh, Napoli having lost Maurizio Sarri and, and, more importantly, Jorginho, but bringing in Don Carlo, Carlo Ancelotti, who Donny, I agree, is the, the best active coach in the game right now. So that's going to be a fascinating game to watch just to see you know the way those both those teams ended last season and, and can they continue that steam moving forward. Will Napoli be able to mount a CR7 title challenge? Yeah, and then on a Sunday we have Roma kicking things off against Torino at eleven. I believe uh, Roma that, just signed Steven Nzonzi. Yeah, and that this game I believe is on I think either ESPN or ESPN two. This will be streamed on the the, the normal ESPN uh, televised network. So if you don't have ESPN plus, you can watch this game. It's actually going to be on ESPN News. News. There we go. I was close enough. Yeah. Roma signed Steven and Zanzi, so good good late get for them. I don't know if he'll feature, having just just joined. Um, Torino ha- has a really exciting young striker, Andrea Bellotti, who took the, the, the league by storm two years ago and then had an injury-plagued season last year. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be pulling for him to, to bag a goal opening week to, to really you know reignite that, that scorer's touch he had. Yeah, and then uh, the revamped Inter squad, who I think have added like seven players. Yeah, this transfer window are playing Sassuolo. Sassuolo, right? Like I said, Sassuolo at one thirty on Sunday on ESPN Plus. So that'll be interesting to see how all these new players kind of gel. Yeah, last time Inter had a, a big influx of talented players, they really tanked that season because just like Milan last year, it takes a long time for for a lot of new sign signings to to gel and mesh. I think Inter has more of a core in place than they did last time, so there's definitely a chance that they can can, can kind of ease into all, all these new changes. That being said, I will be pulling hard for Sassuolo, and uh, let, let's go. Yeah, and I think that kind of wraps up everything. The Bundesliga doesn't start for another couple of weeks because the Germans are too busy trying to figure out how to take over the world for the fifth time, but 
Next episode, we'll definitely recap the Bundesliga. And with that, I think it's time for Mailbag for Douchebags. It's mail time. That one was for you, Pablo. Uh, So this week, we have uh, quite a few questions from Matt Hinojosa. First question. So I'm a Tottenham fan, and I'm curious what y'all's thoughts are on if it is a win to keep our entire team together or a failure not to sign a big name. For me, Lucas Moura can have the effect of a new signing because he's finally had an off-season with the team. I think the same can be said about Harry Weeks coming back from injury. Gates, what do you think? I think I think your question, both both questions are correct. I don't think it's you know I don't look at at your transfer a transfer window and say is it just a success or a failure. You have successes and failures within the window. A big, big win for you guys was not losing Christian Eriksen, not losing Deli Ali, not losing Harry Kane. You know, th- th- those to me are big wins. The fact that you guys didn't inject any kind of new blood, new life into that team is definitely worrisome. So I, I think you have a big win. You had not necessarily a big loss. You had a, a you know a, a notable loss with with not gaining anybody. But as I mentioned when we talked about Tottenham earlier. You guys have you know have this team have this chemistry. There's something that, that can be said about not having to get accustomed to a new player that's going to change things up. So it, it really only time is going to tell. But I I'm not as outrightly negative that you didn't sign anybody new because you kept your nucleus intact. Uh, I'm gonna approach it a little bit differently from Eric. I think it depends on. Your, what your goal is. If your goal is to get in the top four, then you probably did have a fine transfer window because you kept your nucleus intact. And, uh, you know, like you, like you said, Matt, you know, Lucas Mora coming after, you know, being on loan and having an offseason with the team, Harry Wink coming back from injury. Yeah, I think those are going to be boosts and they're going to help you be competitive and stay in the top four. In terms of winning the league title, which I think for Poach, that has to be the goal, winning some silverware, I, don't, I think it was a failure from that perspective because I don't think they've... This is a team that finished third last year, more or less the same team because they didn't sign anyone new. They didn't lose anyone, but, you know, I don't see them really doing much better, maybe a place better, a place worse than last year. That, I mean, that, that's a very fair point as well, uh, and that, kind of a good way to look at it. Next question is, um, I think, more directed towards Donnie. It's about Manchester United. Yeah, he knows that Donnie is skeptical of the potential for success, but to me, Matt, I don't really see a major weakness in the squad. Maybe outside back. Uh, More like backside back. Say that that to goal scoring Luke Shaw. Uh, Can Mourinho really be so toxic that he tanks a world class squad? In a word, yes. In two words, hell yes. Uh, Listen, Mourinho is a great manager. This is a guy who won the Champions League with fucking Porto. Like I don't think people realize it was like, a talented. Really it was a talented Porto squad, to be fair. But but it was a Porto squad. In in the day and age of like sovereign wealth and, and absurd money and, and only big clubs winning things, it's really impressive. This is a guy who has won league titles in Spain, in Italy, in England, and this is a guy who also won a trouble with Inter Milan. I, I mean, Mourinho's a great fucking coach. I'm gonna cut that off the pod. But he just seems to want to antagonize. All of the important players at Man U. And by all of them, I mean Paul Pogba and then our young attackers like Rashford and Martial because he's so insistent on playing Alexis. Like, Alexis Sanchez had a shit game on on Friday. If, if that was Martial or Rashford, you know they're getting dropped to the bench the next game. But guess what? Sanchez is probably starting on Sunday. Yeah, but Donnie, uh, Alexis Sanchez almost took a penalty kick. 
I hate you. Uh, yeah. I, I so like Mourinho. He can go either way. He's, he's a joker. He's kind of he, you don't know what you're gonna get with it. He could fucking I could be so dead wrong about what I've been saying about him, and he could have this team just tearing up the league, super sound defensively, just racking up 1-0 win after 1-0 win, or he could fucking explode and be gone by December. To, I just I don't know. To quote the only man I've seen make Jose Mourinho smile, the uh, current AC Milan legend and manager Gennaro Gattuso. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit is a great way to describe can Jose Mourinho be so toxic that he that he tanks this talented squad? Yes, he can. Sometimes maybe shit. But also, he is a really, really t- good manager and tactician. So we're going to see. Everybody's talking about Mourinho's third year, so he's got to be out. You know, we've got the Maz v. Mourinho. That being said, they won the first game. If they can, you know, barely, str- barely, but they won it. They can string together a couple, a couple more wins. They're gonna have a, a, you know, a head of steam, and then we'll see kind of what happens there. Yeah, going to the third question: Who do y'all think the young player of the year is this year for the Premier League? A repeat winner: Deli Ali or uh, Leroy Sané? Ryan Sigison, Marcus Rashford has to earn the number ten, according to Matt and myself and Eric. I'm pretty sure. I just like him wearing the nineteen better. <laughs> uh. Rick Carlson, Ruben Neblis, or someone I forgot to mention. So before we get before we break down who's going to be the PFA Young Player of the Year in the Premier League, you have to be 23 or younger at the start of the season. So that's kind of the qualifier. Uh, Eric, who you got? I, you know, I wouldn't have said this at the start of, of the season, but being asked this question after the season started and watching him really, really come to Everton's be Everton's saving grace, I'm going to have to go with Rich Carlson. He was he was he was impressive. He was exciting. He's gonna be fun to watch, which we haven't always been able to say. We couldn't say about Everton last season, at least. So I'm I, I like Everton. Although the guy I would have picked before watching the, the first week would be Ryan Sessegnon. So I'm actually going a different route. I think Man City will have a repeat at Young Player of the Year, but I don't think it'll be Leroy Sané. I think it's gonna be Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling is currently is he 23, 23 right now. Jesus. And uh, he was a he was a nominee last season where in this is just the Premier League, 33 games, 18 goals. He already got a goal in the first game this season. Uh, I think Sterling's gonna have a good season, especially in a season without De Bruyne suddenly having to pick up some of the slack. More importantly for uh, Raz, he didn't miss a sitter in that first game. And if he can not miss sitters, then might as well give Man Man City the title now. Yeah, so uh, I have Raheem Sterling as my God. I can't. I I obviously hope Marcus Rashford just fucking tears it up and it's Marcus Rashford instead or anyone but Raheem Sterling. But if I had to put money on it, I'd go Raheem Sterling. I want Marcus Rashford to have a saucy season and clearly deserve the number ten, but decide to go back to the number nineteen because I just I I like the nineteen on him. It looks good. Yeah, but uh. I think that wraps up tonight's yeah. episode. Thanks, thanks for listening. We're really excited to get the uh, couple other leagues underway. And when we come back next week, we'll have an even more robust you know, review. So, so kind of less of us just bullshitting around talking about stuff and more about us bullshitting around talking about stuff. Yeah, please remember to uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to us, write a review, give us a five-star rating. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter, at UngolPod. And please, please, please email your questions to at UngolPod. Or wait, no, 
ungulpod at gmail.com. I always fuck that one up there when I go. go. There you go, big guy. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Let us know what you think as, as the season you know, unfolds, and we look forward to hearing from you. Bye.